Thanks for joining the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, where we discuss best practices in HR, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that have an impact on business. Follow us on our website at www.zeniumhr.com to get access to our articles, alerts, and to listen to other podcast episodes. And now, here's your host, Brandon Laws, with today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Today I have with me a returning guest, Lacey Halpern. She is one of the very many talented HR business partners we have at Zenium, and we're glad to have her here to talk about a couple different ways that supervisors can manage performance in their organization. So welcome, Lacey. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I want to know and maybe give listeners a sense for what is your role with the clients that you work with and just the experience you've had in the past in regards to performance management? I provide a variety of different support to the book of clients that I work with. For some clients, I'm available sort of as a hotline go-to person just to provide consultation around what is the appropriate level of discipline to provide? What are the next steps I should take? How do I get this employee to perform to the level that I think they're capable of? For other clients, I support in reviewing documentation. Sometimes I even go out and sit in on meetings with employees and managers to help keep things on track, make sure that when the meetings are done that the employees made a commitment to improving their performance and that the manager has the skill set and the support they need to hold that person accountable. So what happens when there are issues with performance? What, what do you use in that whole process? So a really common method that a lot of supervisors are probably familiar with is a corrective action. Some people call it a write-up or a written warning, verbal warning, final written warning. I like the word corrective action just because it talks really and speaks to we're trying to correct behavior. A lot of times a corrective action is used if there's a policy that's been violated. So for example, if an employee is having attendance issues, not being able to show up for work on time, or maybe they're having to leave early all the time, a supervisor could use a corrective action to correct that behavior. And there are certain things that you would include in that corrective action to make sure that it can support the employee in improving performance. Corrective actions are typically used for policy violations or procedures uh, that employees are not following, like safety, dress code, those types of things. In, for somebody who doesn't know really what a corrective action, it seems to me that it is something that is it's defined somewhere. So there, there's a right way to do things, mm-hmm. and then if that's violated, then uh, there's there's some way to you need to correct that with an employee. So mm-hmm. maybe talk about how um, how to write one mm-hmm. um, if it is a written document, and then maybe talk about what's what's included in it to give supervisors who are listening a sense for how they can create one. Yeah, I think really starting from a template. So if your company doesn't already have sort of a form to use, it would be a great place to start in creating one. So there's consistency. Um, really, it should be a tool that managers can access and update. If you've, if you've got an employee who has, let's say, for example, an attendance issue, um, one of the important things to note in the corrective action is what is the behavior that's happening that's out of line, inappropriate, or in violation of a policy? Citing things that are really specific, objective things, dates that things have occurred, witnesses to incidences. If an employee, let's say, for example, is using profanity at work, we would include who witnessed it, when it happened, what the employee said. All of those details would be included um, in the description of the incident portion of that corrective action. 
It's also really important to cite what the consequences are. So we would cite whether the employee is receiving a verbal warning that we're documenting on paper. Sometimes people get confused about that. Managers that give verbal warnings, it's best practice to include that verbal warning on paper. So you've given the coaching, told the employee what to correct, and we're documenting it, sometimes after that conversation on paper and getting a signature that the conversation happened. We're also including what level it is. So if it's a written warning, um, we would note that on there. If it's a final warning, what happens next? So if there's further incidences of this behavior or maybe even other policy violations, we would note for that employee what the next step looks like. So is it further discipline up to and including termination? Is the next time that person late going to result in their termination? Well, let's call it out on that corrective action so that they know what's coming. What the consequences Absolutely. Uh, as a result of not following through with that yeah. action. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there are lots of reasons for that. It's, it's really... Uh, and check with your integrity to be honest with the employee about where they're at as far as performance goes. Um, if their job really is on the line, let's be clear with them that, that if things don't improve, if we don't see immediate improvement, if they violate this policy again, they may not have a job with our company anymore. And then I feel the most important piece of the corrective action is a plan for improvement. So not only do we have to highlight the areas of opportunity or the policy that's been violated, but we have to say what our expectations are, right? So if it's an attendance problem, we're going to call out that they need to be to work on time every day. If the employee has told you that they're failing to set their alarm so they can get to work, we might even include in that corrective action plan for improvement section that they need to set their alarm before they go to bed. Hmm. Um, we would call out what other resources are available. So we may refer them to different policies. We sometimes might even ask an employee to write their own plan. Right? So if we're feeling like there's a lack of commitment on the employee's part that we've been having these conversations over and over, why can't you get to work on time? What's holding you back? We may ask them to write their own comments and their own commitment to improving performance or to being committed to following the policies that the company has set forth. And then there's the signature piece. So there's a spot for the employee to sign. There's a spot for the manager to sign. It is absolutely great if you can have a witness in those conversations, especially for newer managers or supervisors that don't have a lot of experience either delivering these to employees or writing them. Having someone either in senior management or someone from HR, if the company works with Xenium, it's absolutely something that we can provide as a, either a review of that and sometimes even participate in those meetings. There's usually some language in the signature section that talks about the fact that the employment is still at will. It's not this doesn't change the fact that the company may choose to terminate at any time. Signing that just reaffirms that type of relationship. If a corrective action is meant to correct a specific action, you used uh, time and attendance as, as one of those issues, what happens if that, maybe not just that one thing is violated, but what if there are a ton of different performance issues, and not just time, but uh, processes and um, uh, behavior issues and, and those sort of things. What do you what do you do when there's multiple issues not related to the same thing? Yeah, I have supervisors call sometimes. You know, sort of throwing their hands up in the air, like I don't know what to do here. It's been one thing after another. It's not just one specific policy that I can point out. Maybe it's not even a clearly written policy. Maybe it's attitude. Maybe it's communication skills. Uh, maybe it's customer service or internal customer service, you know, with coworkers and peers. Even those things are important to performance. So sometimes what can be really helpful is a performance improvement plan or a PIP, PIP. Those are all mm -hmm. names that um, you sort of hear around this type of document. 
similar to a corrective action where we're going to highlight the areas of opportunity. So let's just say this, this particular employee is responsible for sales. So maybe they're not meeting sales expectations. They're not hitting their numbers. Um, they're not making the number of prospecting calls that they're supposed to make. So maybe that is an area of competency that's lacking. Maybe their communication skills are lacking too. So we would cite some specific examples where maybe they've sent emails to prospects or new clients that were inappropriate or not in line with the company's vision, mission, or values. And then maybe there's an attendance problem too, where they're seeming to come into the office very late in the morning and they leave very early. So maybe that's an issue for that person. So we'd highlight everything we would create the same sort of plan for improvement, putting in the structures of support that would help the employee. And then the piece with the performance improvement plan that's really different than a corrective action is that they're scheduled check-ins. So it requires a little bit more work on the manager side or supervisor side where they're scheduling weekly, maybe bi-weekly check-ins with the employee on the plan. There's a designated time frame for this plan, so it's maybe 30 days, 60 days, 90 days with clear-cut goals that the person would accomplish during each of those time periods, and we're checking in. So at the end of this plan, usually even midway through, we really have a clear picture of whether this person is going to be able to, one, meet the goals, and then be able to sustain it. So it's the same type of document where the employee signs it, they make a commitment to improving performance. Um, it's usually a little bit lengthier, and it usually includes multiple competency areas. It also seemed to me like the, the performance improvement plan that – a little bit harder to measure, I'm sure. Uh, corrective action to me is there are very clear policies in place, and you violate those policies, then it's it, you know it's either one step or the other that ha- needs to happen right after that. With the performance improvement plan, however, it seems that if you don't have measurable things within that plan, how as a manager do you even <laughs> enforce it? I guess it's very <laughs> difficult, and a really well written performance improvement plan would include very objective, measurable things that the employee would accomplish. So if it's making a certain number of sales calls, if it's not having any customer complaints, maybe it's the communication problem. Again, no customer complaints over the next 90 days. And a performance improvement plan can be extended too. It's not like at 90 days, if not everything's been met, we're at the place where we have to make a decision to terminate. When we have a really tenured employee, they've been with the company for a long time, it's an opportunity for the manager to evaluate What have I done? Have I failed as a supervisor? When we get into these performance improvement plan conversations, I can tell pretty quickly whether that manager's been giving direct feedback to the employee, if the employee is surprised by the feedback, like, wow, this is the first time I've heard that I'm having a problem with meeting my sales numbers. Really, if we're giving our employees ongoing, constructive, direct, authentic feedback, nothing should be a surprise. So if you've got a really dedicated manager that's direct with feedback, the employees coming into the meeting should likely expect to get this feedback. The plan is just creating a structure of support Mm -hmm. for them to be successful. That's the goal. And you talk about the ongoing piece. Do you think a a manager-employee one-on-one meeting would be an appropriate time to at least touch on it, that the performance improvement plan that is? Yeah, I do. I think that that if a manager already has a scheduled, let's say, monthly Mm one-on-one with the employee, incorporating that into it, I think this is asking the manager or supervisor to go above and beyond, actually. So it's more than a monthly check-in. We would be looking for at least bi-weekly, especially if the plan is 30 or 60 days. I mean, the person that's on this plan is struggling. They're at the point where if they don't fix things, they're going to lose their job. So we want to be at a place as a company to mitigate the risk, 
by providing the ongoing feedback, asking what resources do you need, what's working, what's not working, so that when we get to the end of this, really the employee sort of knows where they stand and what the company's decision is going to be. And speaking about the end of it, it sometimes doesn't always work out in a, mm-hmm. in a positive manner. So uh, to mitigate the risks that you're just speaking of, what are some good ways to document the, the either the corrective action or the performance improvement plan if, in fact, it doesn't work out? I mean, the, the plan and the corrective action should be signed. If an employee refuses to sign it, sometimes managers will say, I had my meeting, but they refused to sign. What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean the conversation didn't happen. It doesn't mean that the corrective action or the performance improvement plan doesn't still go in the employee's personnel file. Um, it just means that that person is maybe refusing to put their name on the bottom of the form. Having a witness in that meeting is great because they can sign and acknowledge that the conversation did happen and that another person witnessed it. I think in mitigating our risks by documenting this, that is exactly what you're doing. So you're putting on paper what happened. You're acknowledging that you've provided the structure that the person needs to be successful. We've provided them with the policy around attendance or dress code or Um, Maybe it's positive teamwork and communication, that sort of thing. We've given them all of the information they need to be successful, and now it's on that employee to make the choice to either follow our policies and improve performance or not. Mm -hmm. And did you say where it should be stored? Yes, it should be included in the employee's personnel file. Okay. Okay. And then it sounds like the the manager or supervisor needs to play a big part in writing it, but I imagine if they're not really savvy in, in terms of HR, who should support that, that process overall? I think usually the, the manager is the one who would have the information about what's going on. Um, every company is different, so some companies are set up to where it's something that has to be run by HR. HR either needs to review it before it's presented to an employee, or they're the ones that are writing it after they've done sort of an intake with the manager on what's going on. Um, I think if you've got a consistent process within your company, then I think that's probably ideally what you'd want to do. If, it, if what you have right now isn't working, if the ones that are being drafted by managers are not effective, they're not improving performance, um, it's an opportunity to look at your, your process that you have in place and see if there's opportunity to, to fix it. And you, um, as, a, as a consultant HR person, you have clients that are various sizes. And I imagine this process specifically is different from a five-person group from a 100 to 200-person group or even higher than that. With that said, what would you say um, with the smaller group, who writes it, who delivers it, who manages it Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like the the supervisor or HR type person? I think in a smaller organization, there's not always an in-house HR person. So I think typically in those cases, it's usually a manager. Maybe it's the owner of the company Mm -hmm. that's responsible. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, that person might be responsible. For the clients that I work with that are smaller, I'm pretty involved in that process. Uh, A lot of my clients see the value in being able to consult and have a second set of eyes just read through it. Sometimes it's just a quick conversation um, or me providing some sample templated language that they can include um, into those corrective actions. In the larger companies that I work with, um, I am more involved um, when the HR is completely outsourced, but the clients I work with that have sort of an in-house HR person that I sort of support on the back end, I'm really just kind of providing the consultative approach. And they're really responsible for managing their supervisors and managers and making sure that they're drafting ones that are effective, that improve performance. As we just uh, wrap up this topic, anything else you want to say about either the difference between corrective action and and, uh, PIP um, or just um, any advice for for folks that are listening and, and trying to get going? No, I don't think so. I think it's just really important for 
the managers and the supervisors that are delivering these to read them thoroughly, make sure that you're being objective and that you've done a good job of communicating about performance through the life of this employee as they've worked with your company. Um, our job as managers and supervisors is to help our employees thrive and feel fulfilled in the work that they do. And sometimes that means having these difficult conversations to improve performance. But the goal um, and the, the way that these really work is if we are standing for our employees to be successful. Thanks for joining us today, Lacey. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.